0: welcome 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 ladies and gentlemen to another episode of multifamily by the slice today we had dante belmonte on the show an individual out of new york who invests in the north carolina market and he was 24 years old and he's doing a lot in the real estate space there are many topics that we discussed and quite frankly he blew me away with with the knowledge that he has at such a young age and I'm always happy when I get to speak to somebody that's, you know, around my age or even younger that's in this industry, because it lets me know that I have a connection that I'm probably going to have for the next 50, 60 years. So um, fantastic episode. What do you think, Dre?
1: I love this episode, bro. It was very unique for many different reasons. As you mentioned, being 24 years old and starting when he was 19, and he discusses heavily how he was able to raise over 3.5 million in less than six months with three different deals in the same market. So we discussed that thoroughly for my listeners. He discusses in a lot of detail how he picked that market and and the advantages of it. And we talked a lot about how he built his investor database and even the unique aspect of not only just broker relationships, but touring different properties and how he becomes familiar with it. In the weeds, he literally goes in great length and detail to discuss walking you through our listeners. We're holding your hand on everything he's looking at and when he's looking at a property with a broker. So if you want to check all that, check all that out, definitely stay tuned and listen to the episode. Got to add another plug-in for the books that he lists in the Giordano round that were very different that you all haven't heard before that are phenomenal multifamily investing books. So without further ado... Let's get into it. Now a word from our show sponsor. Are you looking to grow your real estate investing business? Fortune Cribs can help. Fortune Cribs helps investors buy short-term rentals and select markets across the country for as little as 10% down with no cash on cash returns in the 20 to 30% range. Fortune Cribs will design, furnish, and manage all the day-to-day operations, making your experience truly hands-off. And it doesn't matter whether you're at in your real estate investing journey, whether you're trying to get your first deal or scale your portfolio, Fortune Cribs can help. So if you want to take the next step, go to FortuneCribs.com and book your free consultation to see how Fortune Cribs can best help you. Once again, that's FortuneCribs.com and let them know we sent you. What's going on, folks? Welcome to the Multi-Family by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans, or Deep Dish Dre, as they call me. I have my great co-host here, Ike Eke, in the house. I want to thank everyone for tuning in for another great episode. If it's your first-time listener, please hit the subscribe button. And if you're a returning listener, please leave us a five-star review. It's Wednesday, June 29th. I'm not in San Diego. I'm on the, <laughs> the East Coast of New England. But no matter what course I'm on, I got to check in for my main man, Ike. How are you doing today, bro?
0: Dre, you may not be here in sunny San Diego, but you definitely have the San Diego ethos with the tank right now. And anybody out there, if you've met Dre, you know that if he's wearing a tank, there's a, a lot of a lot of guns showing. Uh, a lot the oh, big I stuff. That, bro. I that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm doing good, man. We're we're, you know, getting towards the that fourth of July weekend. That's always a good time here in San Diego. And it's a good time to hang out with family and friends. So I'm looking forward to that. Otherwise, you know, life's pretty good. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good, man, I, and I
0: appreciate that. What do you What do you have planned for the for the July holiday weekend? Um, just classic Fourth of July weekend. Just gonna open up the grill, get some okay. dogs there, you know, get some buns, overeat, enjoy friends and family, and uh, you know, kick back and relax a little bit, man. Nice, nice. How about you? I'm
1: not sure yet. I'm flying back Friday, just for ten days, and then I have to fly back out here for a week. And then I'll officially be back in the city on the fifteenth indefinitely, but uh, I'm not sure yet. Yeah, definitely hit up a few buddies and see see what they're up to. Maybe we just do a group thing.
0: Pretty fluid. I love it. I love it. You know, my phone is always on. Is always on. So uh, give your boy a call if you if you need somewhere to be. I got you. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, with that said, let me introduce uh, Dante Belmonte, who's our guest today, and he he's doing a lot in the in the real estate industry. He has a podcast, Make Money Make Sense in Real Estate. He's an agent in the New York area, and he's been investing in the North Carolina market for quite some time, and we're going to get into that, definitely. But one of my favorite aspects of Dante is his presence on Twitter. And for those of you out there that are social media inclined, you may not think of Twitter as a great place to communicate and collaborate in the real estate space, but I guarantee you it is. And we'll be discussing that a little bit as well, but with no further ado, Dante, let me give the floor to you to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your
2: story and your real estate endeavors. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you uh, having me on the show, Multifamily by the Slice. I love it. It's a great name. So really appreciate you guys. But my name is Dante Belmonte. I am the managing partner of Victory Capital Group. So we are a small private equity multifamily firm um, operating in North Carolina. So I'm in upstate Syracuse, New York. I'm a broker by trade. And uh, operator by night, I guess you could say, but really the operating part uh, <laughs> takes most of the day. I probably spent about 80% of my time on the multifamily operation side and about 20% on the agent side. So I uh, um, started out buying real estate when I was about 19 years old, duplexes, single families, uh, you know, the buy and hold, Airbnb, some flips, some burrs. And I uh, was really looking to scale that and was seeing how long and how much money and time that would have taken me with the smaller projects and started researching how to do it larger, uh, figured out how to do that. And that's with uh, syndicating with multifamily and uh, grabbed a partner along the way. And now we're uh, closing deals left and right, raising capital left and right, giving people great returns and excited to talk about that with you guys today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we'll, we'll definitely discuss the
0: multifamily aspects of, of what you do, but let's talk a little bit about your beginning because you know, it's, it's, it's often that I do hear people that are either in the transaction side of real estate, or, you know, investing in some of your single family duplex quads and triplexes, eventually moving on to the multifamily space. But how did you, how did you get the real estate bug? What what brought you into real estate initially?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I'm 24. Now, I've been an agent and been involved in real estate for almost five years now. So when I was 19. And uh, I actually it's kind of funny. So uh, long story short I was selling those hoverboard things at my local <laughs> mall out of a kiosk uh, just for a side hustle when I was 19 just for some uh, extra money around Christmas time and the guy that ran the stand uh, really liked me uh, we really got along well and and I asked him like what you know what's your full-time gig and he said I, you know I invest in real estate and he had 120 units locally in my in my town of just duplexes uh, triplexes quads singles and all that good stuff and uh, He's like, you should really, really get into this. And I started to do some research, um, kind of put it off for a little bit. uh, And then we reconnected. And I was like, I really want to do this. And I actually bought my first deal from that individual. Uh, Again, long story short, um, was just something I was looking for to do different and to bring in some passive income. And that was rental property. So I, you know, I listened to the podcast, I read the books, I went through the motions, and uh, I really, hampered down on real estate and haven't really looked back since. So that's kind of how I got my beginning there um, was with a quote unquote uh, mentor, you can really say. Cool, cool. And and so, you know, that took you to the stage where you're investing in some of
0: those smaller deals. And again, you're in New York and, and the primary investment market for you is North Carolina. So I'm curious, what brought you to North Carolina? Was there some economic factors? Did you have family there? What brought you to that area? And why did that make that an attractive area
2: for you to invest in? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, when I partnered with my partner's name's DJ, um, before we got started buying property, we wanted to identify what markets we wanted to be in because we didn't want to be too scatterbrained and all over the place in 20 different markets. We really wanted to hone in on a few markets. So we picked, I believe, about 12 different markets, put them on paper, and really researched these markets very heavily. You know, where is population growth? Where is job growth, income growth, migration going to? And that's the Southeast and more primarily the state of North Carolina as a whole. I mean, there's parts of North Carolina that are having declined, but there's a majority of parts that are having an uh, um, increase in population, migration to net migration. And I'm sure if you know, all three of us sat here and thought about it for a minute, we could name you know five to 10 people that have probably moved to the state of North Carolina or have gotten a secondary residence there. Um, and so my partner DJ lives in Charlotte. So it all happened to work out where the numbers look great in this area. It was in his backyard, so he can be our boots on the ground. And so we decided to move on the, the Charlotte MSA, the, the Greater North Carolina market. And again, you know, looking for those three things: that job growth, uh, population growth, which is the biggest one, and income growth. And uh, you know, we look at these specific MSAs, specific markets that have all those three, and that's how we selected that uh, North Carolina. And also. Uh, the properties are newer. Uh, It's a little bit more landlord friendly than New York. And so, um, you know, newer assets, newer construction, less money to maintain, uh, repair, maintain all that good stuff. Um, And then again, it gives us more power as uh, landlords, not all the power, but more power than other states that are more tenant friendly. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I have to say, I love the pragmatic approach. You know, when
0: I when I choose markets, I like to look at economic factors as well. and, And things that, you know, make the market more attractive from, a you know, a monetary standpoint, from a migration standpoint, from a regular regulatory standpoint. So I I happen to agree with many of the things you just said, yep. um, a, and and your growth in that market has been relatively quick. I know we, we discussed prior to turning on the record button, and, and Dre wanted to get into this um, the 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 pace at which you were able to to acquire property there. So
2: if you want to touch on that, that'd be great. Yeah, definitely. So you know, we started the company. I believe in July of 2020. And our focus wasn't to take down deals. Our focus was to build relationships with brokers, uh, build our investor database and build our market knowledge. So once we were ready to go in and say, Hey, it's time to get a property. We had all of our ducks in a row. We had our broker relationships. Uh, I would fly down every few weeks to Charlotte just to take these brokers out to lunch or coffee. I tour properties, get face to face with these guys to show them I'm serious because they get hundreds of emails a week saying, Some of your properties, some of your off market properties. And the difference for me was, Hey, I'm going to fly from New York to North Carolina so I can sit across the table from you and shake your hand and let you know I'm real. So we spent a year doing that. Um, we were touring assets to spend more time with the brokers and get familiar with the assets. And then once we got comfortable, we said, okay, let's start putting some deals under contract in tandem with that. We were also building a great investor database um, to today. I'm just so blessed and thankful for the investors and repeat investors we have. And now we've taken action. In the last six months, we've closed uh, three, uh, what I like to call large multifamily deals because they're over five units. So three commercial deals um, at a portfolio valued at uh, north of $10 million right now. So, That number may not sound big to some people, but I'm 24 years old. That number is big to me, especially at my age. Um, We've raised north of $3.5 million of capital. Uh, Every single deal that we have put out to our investor database to raise, uh, we have done it in a short period of time and we've had to turn investors away because we've been oversubscribed. So uh, first deal, 24 units, second deal, 32 units, uh, excuse me, first deal, 24 units, second deal, 33, third deal, 44 units with a pool. I love to say that, you know, it's got a pool. It's cool Uh, pool and elevator. It's got solar panels on the roof. So uh, certainly uh, building up pretty quick, but not too much where we can't handle it. We've got the systems and processes in place and uh, looking forward, you know, right now, uh, hopefully putting some more deals under contract.
1: There's a few things that I want to touch on. The first one is you mentioned touring the properties and getting familiar with them. Now we've discussed on the podcast before, broker relationships and the conversations that you will have with the brokers and how to establish that credibility. But I would like for you to dig in deeper and discuss walking us through, I'm walking a property with you in North Carolina Mm -hmm. and tell me what's going through your mind. Paint me that picture of what you're looking for when you're touring these properties how you're becoming, getting familiar with them so our listeners can get that value?
2: Yeah. So I'm going to go over two ways and I'll explain why. So being a broker myself, I understand what these brokers are looking for, what kind of responses they're looking for and how to tell that someone's serious. So when we first go to see these properties, we're primarily doing it to spend time with the brokers, but also again, learn the market. So things we're looking at is we're going to be looking at surrounding neighborhood, going to the property. Are there uh, rundown properties? Are there you know, uh, vacant retail space? Um, are there pawn shops, a bunch of used car dealerships, You know, stuff that just looks rundown. So even before we get to the property, as we're closing in on it, we're taking in the surrounding environment. Once we get to the property, um, I've walked thousands of units, literally thousands of homes. So it comes a little bit more natural to me than maybe a newer investor, but we're looking at things like uh, the foundation. Are there any uh, cracks in the structure of the foundation? Um, We're looking at the roof. Does the roof look newer? Does it look older? What is the material of the roof? Is it uh, metal? Is it an asphalt uh, shingle, architectural asphalt shingle, or is it a three tab? Is it a rolled roof? Um, If so, you know, what's the age on it? What's the warranty? Is it transferable? Um, As we go into units, we're peeking underneath cabinets and underneath bathrooms and looking what type of plumbing type Um, is it? If it's an eighties and nineties, vintage product product, is it uh, poly, or is it copper, is it PVC, Um, is it PEX? Uh, We're gonna look at the hot water tanks, the heating sources and and see what type those are and if they need to be updated and we're taking these notes. We're looking at uh, unit layout, unit square footage, unit mix. Um, Again, we're looking at the exterior of the property. Uh, There's so many things that we are looking at and I know that may not be too detailed on what we're looking at or how we're looking at it, but we're constantly, we take probably 200 photos at minimum when we're looking at a property so we can go back and reference in case we miss something. How's the parking area? Is the asphalt shot or is it newly sealed, newly paved? Um, The landscaping itself. So these are all things that we're going to be looking at. Uh, Today, when we're looking at things, we're, we're saying, okay, is the product 1980s and newer? Because if it is, we're not dealing with lath and plaster. Uh, galvanized, lead, asbestos. Uh, It's newer construction. It's easier to work with. It's more cost effective. Um, Does the property have poly? Then we're probably not going to be looking at it. Um, We're looking for two story properties again in those growth areas. So uh, we're going through all this and we're asking really good questions to the brokers too. You know, who's the seller? If they're willing to tell us, why are they selling? Um, What are they looking to get for this property? Is it a price? Is it terms? Is it a quick close? Is it a guaranteed close? Um, And then of course, you know, the rent situation, we're asking what are rents, what could rents be? And we never take the broker's word for what rents could be. We do our own research on that. So that's kind of a a quick rundown of what we're looking for at these assets.
1: I think you quickly address, made a great point there. You never take the broker's information that they put out or word of mouth of what they say the rents are the income the expenses that's for my listeners out there that is one of the basic fundamentals of underwriting yep so what do you do tell our listeners that
0: you do to verify and cross check that information and, and by yeah. the, by the way Dante before you answer that yep. keep in mind that this message is coming from a broker So I know there's irony in that, that, but it makes it even more true that, look,
2: you got to do your own, you got to do your own homework. Don't just listen to what somebody else is telling you um, is the character of the property. Yeah. So touching on that broker piece real quick, being a broker, something I do is I will tell my clients what I think the property can rent for. And I'll subtract a hundred or $200 off that number because when they come to me, I want them to not say, oh, this is the rent you told me and I can't get it. I always underestimate and I've never been wrong in that sense because I'm not trying to shoot myself in the foot. Um, But Andre, to answer your question there um, the broker is going to give you an OM and that's basically the sales packet or the offering memorandum, throw that to the side. Don't even open it. I don't even open OMS anymore. I don't look at them. The only time I look at them is if I'm looking for basic information, the year built, the unit mix, the square footage, other than that, that thing's going straight out the window because I'm doing all my own research. So what I'll do is I'll take the property. I will you know draw a radius around it of maybe two, three miles. I will look for uh, similar vintage properties, similar location, similar size uh, size units. Sometimes you can go like high and low with the unit counts within reason and similar amenities. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put those into a spreadsheet. Um, I'm going to look for, again, that price per square foot, Um, Is it renovated the same? Is it not? Is it a classic unit, partially renovated unit? Or is it a fully renovated unit? Um, And I'm going to compile all this into a spreadsheet when I'm doing my comps. So just kind of pull it up so I can read it along. um, You know, we're going to look at The again, the distance, the year built, the occupancy, the unit counts, and then amenities as well. That's a big one. And then also what's included in the rent. Don't just take the rent for face value. Is heat included? Is trash included? Is water sewer included? And I have little check boxes. So if it's included, I check it on the list. Um, And then we're also comparing what's the pet fee versus the pet rent and the admin fee versus the app fee. And we take all that in and we look at it. And then we drop down to the units and say, Okay, is it similar square footage? If so, I'm gonna put it on there. What's the price? I'm gonna put it on there and I'm gonna look at a price per square foot. If my unit's 600 square feet and it's a one bedroom and someone else's is 900 square feet and it's one bedroom, the the, the price per square foot's gonna be a little bit wonky. Um, So you have to hone that in and look at those comps. So I'm gonna go to apartments.com, Apartment Finder, um, just some other websites locally that these apartments are listed on to pull that data. I'm never going to listen to what the broker is going to tell me that data is going to be for that, uh, those rents. I'm going to find that out myself. Awesome. Awesome. So to switch gears a little bit,
0: um, a bit of a two-part question, I suppose, and maybe not, but it's more about, you know, again, with the velocity of, of your acquisitions and the amount of capital you raised, you obviously have done a good job in finding limited partners and investors that are willing, that are, that believe in your investment thesis and are willing to back you in, in your, in your deals. So you know the question I have, the obvious question is, you know, how did you go about doing that? How did you find the you know the circle of investors that are are helping you fund these deals? And the second portion of that is, do you utilize social media such as Twitter? I know we discussed that
2: a little bit before to do so. And how are you? How, are you, how do you do that effectively? Yeah, great question. So I'll hit on the first one there. Of course, um, no like and trust is really what it comes down to. Your network. You've heard it a million times. Uh, Your network needs to know you, they need to know about you, about your personal life, about your business life, they need to like you. So no one's going to invest with someone they don't like, it's just not going to happen. And then they have to trust you, people are putting their hard earned capital with you. And they need to know that they can trust you to preserve and multiply your capital. So um, something I did about, I want to say three years ago now, is I started a local investor meetup in my market. And this made me as an authoritative figure in my market. I I, Hands down, I lead my market in multifamily sales on two to six units, we'll call it. I don't do larger stuff. Um, Two to six units, I I definitely lead that market. And I've done so by inviting in investors to my meetup, educating them, adding value, letting them network, finding deals for them, bringing them deals off market. I mean, today alone, I just did two off market deals for my clients um, just by making a few phone calls to... Uh, you know it was very simple I had a referral call me his brother looking to buy a property here's what he's looking for I know another investor that I get coffee with once a quarter he's looking to sell some stuff off market boom let's put that together another guy I talked to a year ago I sold another guy a property to uh, two streets down from his he's looking to sell it called that guy up put a deal together um, so I'm adding value to these investors and it's twofold because They're going to list their investment property with me, or they're going to buy some from me, but they're also going to invest in a syndication. So I've got a handful of investors that are like, all right, I'll buy a duplex from you. I'll toss 50,000 in your apartment deal. I'm going to buy a triplex from you, toss another 50,000 in your deal. Um, So that's one platform is that uh, multifamily meetup is what I call it. Um, Investor meetup, whatever you want to call it. Um, I get about, I probably had north of 60 investors could pass through there, probably more. Um, a lot on a regular basis and I'm building relationships with these peoples and gaining referrals. Um, the second one is the podcast. So just like this, I think this is a great platform because what you guys can do right now. And what I do is even though we're physically not talking after this episode is released, it's a recording. We're still in front of people and they're hearing about us and talking yeah. to us that's zero effort on your part after the show is aired zero effort on my part, but people are still learning and gaining from us. Um, so between the network I built through the meetup, people listening to the podcast, and just people in my network that know about what I'm doing. You know, everything I do, I post on social media, not as a brag, but so people can uh, be curious. I had, you know, I, I, I obviously I'm not going to name names, but I've had certain individuals in my life who have been around since I was five years old that are now friends with me on Facebook, see what I'm doing, ask questions, want to get involved, and invest with us. Um, so building multiple, you know, they say multiple streams of income, but you also want uh, multiple streams of, you know, incoming investors, Absolutely. places you're pulling investors in. So I think those are really important. And uh, like, I'm sorry, your second question was? Uh, well, I mean, you were
0: you were kind of getting there because you started talking about social media. And I wanted to see, you know, if you can articulate How using Facebook, using Instagram, and also using Twitter helps you with um, raising capital, putting your name out there, becoming a thought leader uh, in the industry?
2: Yeah, so this is another great question, and I actually had to turn some investors away last week during our raise because of this. Um, Typically, there's two types of offerings, won't get into them, 506B, Bravo, 506C, Charlie, uh, Bravo, can't advertise, have to have pre-existing relationships, Charlie, can advertise, need accredited investors. We've typically been doing B because we're just getting started and everyone that's investing with us, we have pre-existing relationships with. So through social media, I'm not directly advertising these deals, but once we close a deal, I'm going to put it out there and say, if you're looking for these types of investments, get, you know, get in contact with us. And we have to have that relationship with investors. So I'm doing that through Instagram and doing that through Facebook and even Twitter through our, you know, my account I have there. It's, it's all about multifamily. It's not about me at all. And I did that purposely, it's an anonymous account. And uh, so the focus isn't on me, it's more on the product. And you know, I'll simply put the deals out there that we've done, talk about deals we've done, talk about strategies we've had. And hey, if you're looking to do this, get in contact with me, DM me privately, so we can have that pre-existing relationship. And I had a few people reach out. They attended our webinar and they actually wired us over 50, $100,000 and I had to send it back, just letting them know, I'm sorry, You know, we don't have that pre-existing relationship, but now we're talking. We do, and if we do 506C offerings, which we're probably gonna do from now on, I can publicly advertise those and bring people in. But social media is super important too, because how are people gonna know what you're doing unless you put it out there for them to know?
0: And now a word from our show sponsor. Let me let you in on the best kept secret when it comes to investing in single or multifamily flips, hire an interior designer. Now stay with me. We're not talking about curtains and throw pillows here. We're talking about elevating your design, reconfiguring your floor plans, and developing functional spaces, all to maximize your ROI. Melanie Renee Designs has over 12 years of experience designing in the San Diego real estate market and is ready to help you increase your profits on flips, buy and holds, or short term vacation rentals. Reach out to Melanie herself at melreneh at gmail.com. That's M-E-L-R-E-N-E-H at gmail.com. And make sure to tell her that we sent you.
1: Phenomenal response. We're going to move on to the second part of the show. It's the legacy round. Yes. We're going to pick between one of the following three categories. It's going to be an open forum on your favorite acquisition that forever changed to the trajectory of your business, or you can pick the second topic, practical tips on how to grow a portfolio or how to build your investment network. We've already talked about the investment network. So I would say tips on growing up a portfolio or the deal that forever changed Your business with Victory Mm,
2: Capital—that's a tough one. Uh, So that first one again was uh, building a legacy portfolio, was it?
1: Oh, what was what was the deal that forever changed the trajectory of Victory Capital for you, or you know, your business?
2: Yeah, definitely the first one. You know, I'm going to be kind of cliche, but it's the first one. It's what got us started. It's what got us the track record and showed us that the business model works and it's true. You know, We spent a year, a year and a half figuring out this whole thing, how it's structured, um, how to take the legal side of it, how to get the loans, how to get the debt, how to um, finance it, how to run it. And that first deal. So it was, it was 24 units. It wasn't a big deal by any means. It was 2.5 million. So a strong purchase price, but it was in a great market um, and it gave us that track record. So you know, there's two brokers on that deal, actually, which is awesome. Not just one, but two brokers were able to say, uh, We closed this deal and they saw that. And uh, we were very aggressive overall. I don't know how much you want me to get into the deal, but we were very aggressive to, to win the deal. Um, it wasn't totally on market. It was kind of, it, it wasn't even really marketed. It was just sent around to a few investors and it ended up in my inbox. Um, and we got pretty aggressive on it and we raised about 1.2 million on that deal from investors. And that, you know, again, that showed investors that we can bring them a good deal, we can close a deal, it builds our balance sheet, it builds our net worth, Um, it builds our uh, reputation for these type of loans, because it was an agency loan. And if anyone knows about those, you, you can't just say, Hey, I want one of those loans. You usually have to have someone signing on the loan for you, um, but we also sign on it. So it kind of goes as on our name as a checkbox of, yeah, we're doing those type of loans. So that first one, again, proved the system correct on what we were doing, uh, you know, the business plan, the model that we were going after. And now that we're starting to get investors returns, once we close that deal about six months ago, investors are happy. They like to see that they know it's hundred percent passive and they become repeat investors. Um, we have investors who have invested in every single deal we've done. we have investors that invested on two out of three of the deals that we have done um, and we have brought in a bunch of referrals from those investors on those deals we've done. So that first deal it's like that snowball effect you know it may have taken us call it a, a year, a year and a half to to find it and gain the confidence to do it. but the next deal came a month later. the next deal came a month later and it was like it just, it, once it was proven and brokers in the market knew that we were closing deals, it was very easy to get the next one, and even easier to get the next one. And it continues to get easier as long as you have the systems, processes, and discipline in place.
1: All right, we're going to move on to the last part of the show: is the Giordano round. As you know, this is the Multi Family by the Slice podcast. Giordano's is one of the top pizza places in Chicago, known for our thick, meaty, juicy slices of pizza. So. <laughs> The Giordano round is structured off of that where we have a series of four questions. Ike and I are gonna go back and forth asking you, Dante. And it's supposed to be that listeners are gonna get a mouthful of watery, juicy slices of knowledge in each one. So the first making one, my mouth water over <laughs> here. Yeah, yeah, man. It's almost Friday. Ike knows Pizza of Friday. That's that's what it is. All right. Number one, you're on the top of the highest mountain in the world. These are your last words before you die. What would you scream out to the world and want them to remember you by?
2: Oh, geez, that's a lot of pressure. That's a tough one. I don't even know how people come up <laughs> with that on the spot. Last <laughs> last thing I, I would say, or oh, man, that's a tough one. Do you ever have people not answer that one? Occasionally. Mm-hmm. Occasionally. Occasionally, because I feel yeah. like like you, you got me thinking about it. I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I also don't want to sound too cocky or something. <laughs> like, last words I can say. like
1: <laughs> We get everything, man. Some yeah. people go serious with it and deep, and some people go really simple.
2: Yeah. I, I guess it would, I would say, you know, I, I, man, I'm trying to think of this one. I'm really struggling with it. (laughs) I I guess I would say something like, I hope I left a legacy or I hope I did things right. Just hoping that I left something of myself inside people and acted as an example. So, you know, I would just probably scream something like, (laughs) I don't even know, like (laughs) as far as like, Leave a legacy. I'd probably just tell people to leave a legacy and just scream that from the mountaintops and tell people, you know, whatever you do, don't do it for yourself, but do it where people remember you uh, properly and something that you've done to impact other people's lives instead of just your own. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Next question If there's one
0: slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it
2: be? Uh, Go bigger, quicker. Go bigger, quicker. Um, I get starting out with the duplex because you're going to learn. I get starting out with the single family, but go bigger quicker is definitely something I would advise people to do. I wish I did um, because it's easier to manage the larger you get in unit counts. Um, The loans are easier. Just everything is easier, I believe. And you're doing the same amount of work at the end of the day to, to acquire the property. There's just more zeros behind the numbers. You know, you're still doing one closing. You're still doing one equity raise. You're still, you know, getting loans on one property. You're still signing all those uh, documents and doing the applications for the mortgage process. You know, I would just do it with more units because it equals more money at the end of the day and uh, about the same effort, if that makes sense.
1: Vocab: okay. What are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms multifamily investors should know and why?
2: Uh most th- best vocab words. I would say you got to know your return metrics and what those are. So I, you know, I'm not going to go over all those, but return metrics, I guess, is one of those. So your cash on cash, your equity multiple, your IRR, your average annual return, go look those up. If you don't know what those are um, and understand them. Uh, And then I think I'm just looking here. I can actually look at our acquisitions to really understand that. (laughs) Um, I would say, your gross potential rent is something really important because you need to understand what that number is, um, how it it comes about, and how you're going to analyze the deal because the deal really does start at your gross potential and what you're going to do with it. There, you know how much vacancy, economic vacancy, lost lease you're going to acquire, and then your uh, your exit cap rate. So I think that's a super important number. It, it, it's not really a term, but it's a number that you really need to know um, because that's going to Skew your deal completely. If you're buying at a four cap and think you're going to sell in four years at a four cap, and your IRR is 16%, I can tell you right now the deal is not going to work because you need to buy at a four cap and exit at a five cap, and your IRR needs to be at you know 15, 16. So uh, analyze, learn what the the word exit cap rate means, and or sale cap rate, and figure out how to factor that in. So you know, for every deal we hold, we increase, or every deal we purchase, we increase the exit cap rate by. Uh, 20 to 25 basis points per year held Um, or this year, for example, you know, interest rates have been climbing pretty quick. So we feel more confident to maybe adding 30 basis points to our exit cap rate. So, you know, we bought a deal at a five cap. We're going to show that we're exiting it in five years at a 6.2 cap. So um, understand you know, your return metrics, understand what the gross potential rent is and how you are calculating that number, and then understand what your exit cap rate is and and how you're going to get there and make the correct assumptions. Because I've seen people that have bought deals at four caps, and they think they're going to exit at a 3.7 cap. And uh, sorry, Captain, that's not it. That's not going to (laughs) work. And uh, I hope the deal works out well for you because I'm not partaking in it.
0: All right. Last question. Education is critical in this business. What books, apps, or mastermind groups would you recommend listeners immerse themselves in?
2: Yeah, so a, a good book that I actually keep right on my desk and I reference all the time, and it's it's not too well known to my knowledge. Um, a good buddy of mine actually wrote it and it, uh, by Terry Painter. It's the, uh, the Encyclopedia of Commercial Real Estate Advice. I'm not sure if you guys have read that one or heard that one, um, but that is uh, a phenomenal book. It's a thick book. It's like 450 pages, but it has really everything about commercial real estate. For the most part, you need to know in there. I think that's a phenomenal tool to have. And I keep it by my desk because I'm constantly looking in it. Uh, Yeah, you can Google stuff, but there's also really good information on this book. And uh, Terry Painter is a a mortgage broker, a good friend of mine. I'm actually flying out to uh, record some content with him in August. And another one that I really enjoy and has given me a lot of education and I still go back and read it, trying to look for it on my shelf here. Um, The hands-off investor, Brian Burke, bigger pockets. A lot of people have heard that and read that Um, I've read it twice now and I'm probably going to read it a third time. So if you're an active operator or a syndicator read that book from the mindset of this is what your LPs are looking for or what they're looking at. So the book's written for passive hands-off investors. And I'm sure Brian's raised millions, tens of millions of dollars from this book that people really like what he has to say, but go read that book from the mind of an LP and what you want to see and retain information from that. Uh, even if you're, you're reading it to learn how to syndicate or learning you know, the basics of syndicating, uh, there's really good principles and information in that book that are phenomenal. You know how to make certain calculations, how to select certain debt, uh, certain documents, reporting. Uh, really enjoy enjoy that book a lot.
1: How okay, can multi-family about a slice listeners best get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, most definitely I appreciate that. So our website is victorycapgroup.com. So victorycapgroup.com. You can email me at Dante at victorycapgroup.com. I'm on Instagram at Dante Belmonte or on Twitter for my anonymous account uh, is at multifamily mad. I think it's I think it's just multifamily mad because I couldn't fit madness in there. Uh, let's see real quick. Yeah, it's at multifamily mad. So it's multifamily madness. Super fun page. I'm just really been enjoying it. Meeting guys like yourself on there, um, adding value, having fun, joking around and just kind of blowing off some steam in there, you know.
1: Dante, appreciate you for coming on the show, man. I know Ike and I definitely, it's been a privilege. This has been an honor. Absolutely. all my listeners out there, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Check us out, www.multifamilybytheslice.com. Stay tuned for the next one. Have a good day.